Welcome to Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs and Tech Professionals. I'm your host, Mike Morton, Certified Financial Planner, Chartered Financial Counselor. And today is a continuation of our last episode on eight strategies to maximize tax savings or to pay less in taxes. Matt and I cover quite a few more tips in this episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Financial Planning Broadcasting on WKXL 103.9 FM in Concord, 1450 AM in Concord, and 101.9 in Manchester, the Gate City. I am Matt Robeson. I am joined, as always, by Mike Morton, the host of Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs and the purveyor of Morton Financial Advice, a fascinating website if you want to read about the kinds of topics that we also cover on this show. And, okay, here's what's going on. For (laughs) radio listeners, you may have been listening to us last week when we did part one of a two-part episode about tips, tricks, ideas, saving on your taxes. And now, for podcast listeners, you've just hit next episode because we're going to continue that conversation. It's right up in your podcast feed. And Mike Morton, welcome back to continue our conversation. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I feel like I was just here. Yeah, I overwhelming sense of <laughs> deja vu for all of right. us. But yeah, so in the first segment in the first episode. We covered the first three of these. Let's just do super short recap because we have podcast listeners who literally just spooled over to the next episode. So what were the first three? The first three favor indexing over active management that will save you in taxes with turnover, less turnover that the manager's doing. Second is using ETFs instead of mutual funds. And we dove into the difference. But the takeaway there is just use ETFs instead of mutual funds across all your accounts. They're great a product. You get the exact same thing, but better tax efficiency within the ETF. And the final point was the location of where you hold which types of assets, bonds, stocks, those sorts of things in your taxable, tax-deferred, or tax-free accounts. It matters. You can save. There was a recent Vanguard study that said you could save almost up to 1% per year on uh, taxes, tax strategy, or or have a boost of your returns by almost 1% per year on where you hold which types of assets. So go back and check out that episode and those three topics. Uh, That actually goes to the point that we finished the last episode on, and I think a, a good launching point for this, which is each one of these things is maybe not on its own a, a, a gigantic deal in your f- financial picture, but you can combine all of them together and make a pretty big impact. I'm impressed that just that location one could amount to a 1%. It doesn't sound like a lot. When you look at your whole tax picture, that could be quite a lot. Yeah, and each of these strategies too, I agree with you, Matt. Some of them may or may not pertain. Some of them may or, be, may or not be a couple hundred dollars, a couple thousand dollars. But some of them could be, when you hear, they could be ones that saves you five or $10,000. That is very common in the clients that I work with. When I will find one of these strategies that's, oh my gosh, we're going to save $10,000 just by doing that this year. Just to listen in and see if any of these might apply because it could be bigger than you think. Ask your financial advisor if locational strategies are right for you. Side effects may include tax savings. All right, do not do locational <laughs> Extra savings, strategies. Extra savings, more income. 
<laughs> we, we are in danger of going off the rails, and I'm driving us there. Let's get back on track. What is number four? All right, tax loss harvesting. And we've probably talked about this in the past, but the idea here is when you have losses, this probably isn't going to apply too much this year, Matt. We all know the market's been doing uh, fantastic again, almost 25% this year. That's nutty. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. It's good. It's good times. Another good episode, by the way, for people to check out uh, the question of is the market overheated and what do you do about it? If it is, that was another eye opener for me. So go back into the podcast feed. We do some of these in the Capital Close Up podcast feed. I, I do like listeners to that feed to to get some of these, but most of these episodes can be found in Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs with Mike Morton. So go back and check out that. Is the market overheated? I have a feeling this is going to be relevant in 2022, if not before then. <laughs> when you're, when, I mean, like. It, Things are pretty hot right now, but go on. Right. Right? Tax lost harvesting, not relevant right now, maybe relevant. Yeah. And in fact, this is one of the things to keep an eye out throughout the year. So we often talk about the end of the year, but March 2020, when we had that 30% dip within a few weeks, all right, that's when you want to take advantage of this. So just knowing it, uh, making some lemonade out of lemons, when your parts of your portfolio are down, individual stocks or mutual funds or ETFs or whatever it is, has lost value. You put in $10,000. Now it's worth $8,000. Okay. So it's gone down. If you sell that, you take a $2,000 loss and you can deduct some of that from your taxes or offset other gains. Okay. So that's why it's a really, can be a really good strategy. And in fact, three, it's really good strategy because if you have short-term capital losses, you just invested something three months ago, it's gone down in value. Okay, so you lost $2,000, you can sell that. Be careful of the wash sale rules, but sell that and take a $2,000 loss. And you can deduct that off your income, okay, up to $3,000 per year straight off your income. Now, you can also offset other gains, but it's something to really be aware of because um, you could save a lot in taxes depending on your tax bracket. So you might, for example, be a, you know, you might earn a relatively strong salary, but you're, you might have investments that don't do very well. A perfect match there, right? You could apply those losses on your investment side to offset some of your tax liability on your salary side. Yeah, correct. Up to $3,000. So that's why it's perfect, too, just for that amount. Because if you're in a 24% tax bracket, there you just saved 800 bucks. Is there any carry forward on this or it all has to be the same year? It's Yeah, you can definitely, good question. You can carry it forward. So any losses you do not use on your taxes. So if you didn't offset gains, um, you can carry those forward. Well, that's a particularly useful thing. If you incurred losses, uh, let's say in March of 2020, but now at a stunningly strong year, might that be kind of relevant for some of our listeners right now in 2021 as they look back and they say, huh, there's a whole bunch of losses that I didn't harvest last year. I wonder if I could go searching and apply them to my gains this year. Yeah, so you just have to look up your taxes. So you would have had to, in that March 2020, you had to sell something 
to get the loss, to incur that loss. It's not an actual loss unless you sell. Right. But if you did and you had 50,000 of losses that you did not use in 2020, you could have done the same thing at the end of 2020. Oh my gosh, it went back up. I'll offset some gains with the losses. But if you carried that forward, absolutely. Take a look, return, see what you carried forward, and you can offset gains in other areas. Well, it does sound like this is another one of the you really can shape what you're doing and what your tax picture is going to look like in terms of, I mean, you were talking about location and the impact that can have, but also timing and that always evergreen advice, pay taxes when you're in a low bracket. And so it sounds like there's a lot of kind of mixing and matching and pairing. You just need to be, what was the term you used before? Tax aware. You, you need to keep an eye out. And maybe this is what a good tax preparer will help you do or a good financial advisor will help you do. There's opportunity, it sounds like, on both sides. If if you're in a high bracket, great. If you're in a low bracket, well, there's opportunity in that too. If you've had gains, if you've had losses, uh, there's ways yep. to put those things together and improve your financial situation. Yeah, it's funny the way you say that, and it's exactly right, Matt. Is Again, thinking of my clients, there's always something where we're saving a few thousand bucks. So some losses, some gains, offsetting something, looking for these different opportunities. Charitable donations we'll probably get to. There's just a number of things that you can tweak and do to save a few thousand bucks here and there. It's unbelievable, but it's also can be complicated. So we'll try to give you the high level stuff and see what brings to you. And you know, you can do more research or reach out to a professional. I know it sounds rosy to say like, oh, there's opportunity everywhere. I mean, look, if you're taking a bath in the market or, you know, I'm not trying to pretend that everything is always good. But there are there are opportunities. And again, no one's going to say no to saving a few thousand bucks. It kind of reminds me of one of my favorite movies, The Distinguished Gentleman. Have you ever seen The Distinguished Gentleman, the Eddie Murphy movie? No, I don't think Look, so. Look, we're digressing here. I will keep this very <laughs> short. I will just say, if you want to actually know, like for people who thought that the West Wing, the TV show The West Wing, was some kind of a documentary. Let me assure you, it is not. That is not. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I thought it was just like that. That is not how things work. No <laughs> one talks like that. That's how people talk in Aaron Sorkin world. That's not how people really talk to each other like that. That's not how things work in Washington. But, but, as insane as this sounds, The Distinguished Gentleman is the best look at how things actually work and operate in Congress that has ever been put on film. I promise you, I worked in Congress for a decade, and there's this great scene where the congressman goes to a lobbyist and he says, what's your position on such and such? And he's like, I don't know. What should my position be? He says, it doesn't matter. There's opportunity <laughs> both ways. If you're for farm subsidies, I have money for you from the farmer's lobby. If you're against them, I have money for you from the baker's alliance. The point is, you're saying there's opportunities both ways. You just need to be very aware and look for them. Yeah, that's right. And we probably won't talk about it today. We just said tax loss harvesting. There's also tax gain harvesting. I've got some articles and podcasts on that. So if you find yourself in a low tax bracket, you took a year off of work or something like that where you're really not making much income, definitely look into do a Google search on tax gain harvesting. That's really well. interesting because you know what? There are a lot of people who might be in right now too. You might have yeah. been unemployed perhaps um, not by your choice, or this might have been a had to take care of your kids and, and you weren't able to go to work and they were home. So, but you might have still been invested in the market. You might have had a lot of tax gains. Mm -hmm. And if you realize those gains, <clears throat> ask your financial planner. 
see if tax gain harvesting might be right for you. Okay. Yep. There you go. Let's move on. All right. What's moving next? on? Hit this one pretty quick. Hopefully, this is taking advantage of tax lot management when selling. What does that mean? What does it that means mean? when when you're going to this tax loss harvesting? Great. I got some losses. I'm going to go ahead and sell those. You may have bought um, that stock or that ETF over a couple of times. So, like, I'm going to buy the S&P 500. Oh yeah, I bought it back in 2018, I bought it in 2020, and I just bought it three months ago. The exact same ticker symbol, SPY for S&P 500. So you've now bought, you've bought it 100 shares three different times, okay? Maybe you just bought it last month and, and now, I'm not predicting this map, but let's say the market goes down before the end of the year. So you want to take advantage, say, oh, I heard about this tax loss harvesting, let me sell some of that. Well, you've bought three different lots. You own 300 shares because you bought them in three 100-share lots. The most recent one's the one you want to sell because you just bought it. It's a short-term loss, so you want to sell that most recent one to get your short-term loss, okay? So it matters which lot, which shares specifically you're going to sell, all right? Now, you might want to take the long-term capital gain, in the flip side is oh, I'll take the long-term capital gain when I sell because that's taxed at a lower rate than the short-term capital gain. Or you might want to take the short-term capital loss instead of the long-term capital loss, okay? But which ones specifically you share that you've got to go in and decide that. So when you go to Fidelity or Schwab or TD and you click sell, you have to pick which ones to sell. And it's really important you pick the right ones so you get the right either gain or loss. Do you ever get the feeling when you talk about this stuff that this is all a massive scheme between the tax <laughs> preparation and CPA and lawmakers and what? Like, let's make this more and more. Yeah, didn't I just say we could hit this one really quickly? Talking, I was like, oh, well, wait. yeah. Um, there, there was uh, there was a lot in there, but I know I think I get it. I think I get it. I think I get it. You you might have choices in what you sell, and again, it sounds like it depends, right? It's like you could take a gain, you could take a loss. It just depends on what your basis is. And whatever strategy you're trying to take advantage of, just make sure you pick the right thing to sell. If you've bought a fund or a stock or that ticker symbol more than once, make sure you sell the one that you want to. Got it. All right. I mean, that when you put it that way, it's pretty straightforward. All right. Uh, we've got about 10 minutes left in this episode. And uh -huh. I know you've got a few more items in the bag. I'm not sure we have to hit absolutely all of them, but we hit, when you hit the best of the remaining and let's see how much we do on we've it. got time all right well, yeah we can do let's it let's do it we can always speed up a little bit matt we could probably go a little faster does it work <laughs> if people just play this on their on their podcast at like one and a half speed does that help us <laughs> they might have to go in and slow it down all right tax savvy rebalancing so we like to rebalance our portfolios stocks have have gone up 20 percent last year they're on a tear again this year 25 percent. so maybe you're a little bit heavy on stocks versus your bonds and cash allocation so to get back to the right balance, you could sell long-term capital gains. Make sure you pick the right ones and um, sell some of those uh, S&P 500 index fund and buy some bonds or just have some cash. But then you'll take a long, you'll take that capital gains hit. Maybe you could do other ways of rebalancing to be tax efficient. Use new money, okay? So in your 401k, you're adding $1,000 a month. If you set it to auto buy that target date fund that's heavy in stocks and maybe you're a little bit overweight in stocks, we'll change that and say, no, just buy the bond fund. So use new money to rebalance. Don't sell anything. 
Now, in your 401k, it won't matter because it's all tax deferred. So you can buy and sell stuff to rebalance. Okay, so you want to do any rebalancing there. But in your taxable account, don't just rebalance and sell stuff willy-nilly. You're going to have to pay a lot of taxes. So be careful with how you rebalance. Use tax-free, tax-deferred accounts to rebalance. Use new money to rebalance. Use interest and dividends to rebalance. So take a look at the entire portfolio and make sure you're not um, incurring a lot of taxes to do your rebalancing. I see. That makes sense. And this is the kind of thing that there are a lot of tools. Let's say you're in a low-cost index fund. I mean, most of the places that you might be investing now give you that that pie chart. Compare where you're at in your allocations to sort of the ideal mixture that you should have in the risk profile that you're looking for. And, you know, especially if you're in a target date fund, what the risk profile is that's appropriate to where you are versus that target date. So this should be relatively easy to do, although you've introduced in some previous shows some wrinkles to that. Maybe you want to be a little heavier or a little lighter depending on your investment strategy. Yeah, there's unfortunately what I run across is it does get more complicated because if most of your money's in that 401k in that target date fund, great, probably not too bad. But most of my clients have IRAs that they got their 401k, they got their IRA, they got their brokerage account, and then they're married and their spouse has the same all three different accounts. And so there's no one picture. The 401k is at Fidelity. The brokerage is over at Schwab. It is good. And there's software out there that'll help you pull it into one pie chart. But you do want to look at that. It's really important. Yeah. And it it, it does get extremely complicated, extremely fast. Speaking of which, (laughs) we're rounding the home stretch here. All right. What do you got next? All right. Using long-term investing horizons. This goes without saying we've been talking about in the past. Invest money. Let it sit there for the long term. That way you don't take taxable hits. You don't want to be changing in and out of strategies, in and out of uh, funds and individual stocks. Every time you do that, you're taking a hit. And especially the short-term capital gains versus long-term capital gains. So your short-term is going to be taxed at your income rate, tax rate. Okay. So 24% bracket, maybe a 32% bracket, whatever gains you have are going to be taxed at that rate. Long-term capital gains are taxed currently at 15, maybe 20%. So obviously less than your income tax rate. So if you do sell things that have gained, make sure you pick that long-term capital gain or just let them ride and rebalance in your tax-deferred accounts, tax-free accounts. Of course, the ultimate way to avoid capital gains taxation is just just die and pass on (laughs) your assets as part of your estate. And you have those estate levels, which are pretty darn high. So, I mean, I'm kind of being tongue-in-cheek, but... If if your goal is to accumulate intergenerational wealth, if you're at a, a part where you're beginning to think about what your estate might be, I mean, the, that and avoiding those capital gains, you know, there that is actually part of the strategy, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I'll give you a quick story. A client that has, his mother has a house, bought it for 25000 It's now worth 800000 Wow right? Bought it 45 years ago. So that's all appreciation. That's a long-term capital gain. It's an asset. If she sells it, you're going to pay long-term capital gains, taxes on that. So instead, eh, why don't we just hold on to that house and pass it down? And that's all tax-free. And of course- Using a step-up basis. And of course, if you you find that you need cash, there's reverse mortgages and there's all kinds of tools you can use with your assets. So, you know, why liquidate and take the tax hit? That's correct. 
Yep. Got it. Yeah. Act like the billionaires and just borrow money. Don't learn anything. Act like the billionaires. You know, there, <laughs> there's a lot embedded in that. We might, we might have to have a whole conversation about like, what if you just walked around and acted like a billionaire? Not a jerk. I want to be clear. <laughs> Don't walk around and act like a jerk. But yeah. Nice billionaire. Yeah, a good a really billionaire. nice billionaire. Name one. <laughs> Quick. Yeah. That, I've stumped Mike Morton. All right. Look. I, I, now I'm so tempted. No, there was, in fact, no, I can name one. The co-founder of uh, Subway. Really? He's just written up in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, co-founder of Subway was worth over a billion. He's uh, from Connecticut, I believe, and seemed like a really nice guy. Wow. Billionaire and from Connecticut and nice. <laughs> that is a small Venn diagram overlap, I got to tell you. All right, let's hit it. All let's right. hit the last one. All right, charitable giving. There's a number of strategies here in terms of taxes. Now, of course, you're, you're giving money away, supporting causes that you really uh, believe in. So you're giving money away, but let's do it in a tax-efficient way. If you're going to give the money away anyway, let's save as much as we can on taxes. <clears throat> so the first thing is to look at appreciated assets. So give away appreciated stock. So, gee, I bought um, Amazon 10 years ago for $10 a share. Now it's 2000 If you sell that single share and give away $2,000, then you're paying taxes on that gain, almost $2,000. So you pay taxes and then you give away $2,000. Whereas you could just give the stock donated to a charity and they still get the $2,000, but you do not have to pay any capital gains. So you actually save, you know, 15, 20% right there. That is smart. And that's, that's good stuff. And that's one of those things where it may not apply to you, but if it does, if this situation applies to you, this could be a relatively bigger chunk for you. Yeah, and that's a no-brainer in a sense. Like if you're going to give something away, give away appreciated stock. The charity gets the full benefit of the worth of that stock, and you don't take the capital gains hit on that. So uh-huh. that's always a good one to look that at. That is a really good one. And of course, like I said, again, this may not this may not apply to you, but just kind of wrapping this up, it's the same thought that we've returned to throughout the last two episodes is that there is a real grab bag here. Some of these things are going to be spot on for you. Some of them aren't. And many of them can be combined and put together. And so you really do need to kind of scan down the menu. And there are things that we haven't even hit here, um, but there, there's a lot of options out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I will throw out a teaser. We need to do an episode on the bunching strategy around charitable giving because I mentioned this briefly in another one of our podcasts that most Americans are not getting a tax deduction for their charitable giving. Okay, 90% would not be getting any kind of tax deduction for their charitable giving. So I can come I can tell you a strategy that you can take advantage of that. So we can hit on that in a future podcast. But in general, around charitable giving, you want to take the advantage as much as you can for your own tax situation. Hey, while we're brainstorming future episodes, people may not know this, but Mike Morton is also a font of wisdom about just general life. It's what the kids call life hacks. I don't know why you want to hack your own life. It sounds awful and violent. But Mike Morton does the nice version of that. I think as we approach the holidays, we should do an episode about Alternative gifts. What are gifts you can give that aren't the same old plastic crap um, to your kids yeah. or, or, your, or your loved ones? And some of them might even be financial. That would be a fun one. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll, I'll write it down. All right. We're going to do good. that. That that and, and, and bundling. Bunching up, bunching up <laughs> bunching. your charitable giving. All right. That's right. That is all we have time for. Mike Morton. Morton Financial Advice. Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs is the podcast, or you can find us on Capital Close-Up or here on WKXL. I'm Matt Robeson. Thanks so much. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. 
If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or MortonFinancialAdvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.